Welcome to the road to growth, success of an entrepreneur. We've raised the bar. Learn firsthand from successful business owners and create your own path to success. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's time to hit the road to growth with team lead of the Enriquez Group, Realtor Vinny. Uh, today, I got Ryan. He is the CEO of Professional Hair Labs. Thank you, Ryan, for being here. Oh, thanks for having me, Vinny. I'm really looking forward to uh, having a chat. Well, you know, so the the one thing I know you probably get asked all the time, and I knew you're probably here thinking it. So, if you're not if you're not watching us live, you're listening to us on the audio. You would not guess that Ryan shaves his head. <laughs> I do. Yes, just to, <laughs> just to dispel all you know all curiosity and concern. I absolutely do, yes. <laughs> but you have a nice beard, so is, is, is that still kind of balances out, right, with the, the company, no no look from new new employees going? Hey. No, no, no. Look, I, I think it's a lifestyle choice, you know. So, some people like to wear hair pieces and wigs, and um, I just enjoy having a beard. So it's uh, it works for me. <laughs> oh, I, I hear you, man. I, it, it took me a while later in life to realize there's a lot of products for your, your uh, facial hair, too. So it's uh, another... Yeah. Another business I was even worried about, but thank you, thank you for being here again. If a question I've been asking more and more is, if let's say you're an elevator, what's your elevator pitch? If someone goes, "Hey Ryan, what do you do?" Yeah, so we uh, we manufacture cosmetic bonding adhesives for the uh, hair and beauty industry. That's our that's our main core uh, service and offering. Um, that so we, I mean we have a whole series of, of products underneath that. But when somebody asks, "What do we really do?" It's manufacturing innovative adhesion technology for the hair and beauty industry. And your, your I mean, your background, this business is a, a kind of a family-run business. And so, growing up with your father, kind of building this business, what was that process like? I know, I mean, I've had a lot of second-generation businesses on here, and sometimes they can kind of go go at each other a little bit. Other ones, it's more cohesive. What was that process for you, like you when uh, growing up? Yeah, well, growing up, it, it was fine. Look, we were always involved in um, in in the hair replacement side of things. So, you know, both, my mother was a master technician. My dad was like entrepreneur, business owner, and they had a very good synergy between the two of them. So, they initially had hair replacement studios, and um, you know, they had big client bases in New Jersey, New York, and Florida. And what happened eventually was my mother got chemical poisoning from the products that she was using and she retired. Um, so my dad decided to sell and he made it a commitment to then develop a product line, which was safe for not only the technicians uh, applying the, the hair units, but also for, for the customers who were wearing hair units. So um, it was really an innovative technology at that point. And, and he was the pioneer in all of that. Um, naturally, you know, as, as new technology comes to the market, um, you know, performance might be, uh, it might be limited, you know, into, until new technology is developed. So for many years from say, you know, 1994, all the way to say 2009, um, the technology remained the same in terms of ad adhesives. Um, but then what happened was uh, other companies came out with new products and, you know, patented technology and it allowed us then the ability to go back to the drawing board and reformulate the base formulations and really provide a solution to the hair industry that was um, that was safe and that was effective and that didn't uh, the, the customers didn't need to worry about what was seeping into their skin or being used on their skin. Well, I, I, I love what you said right there. It allowed us 
basically other people were doing what we were doing and they allowed us to go back there some people would say well we got a little screwed over because other people are doing it and now we're kind of we're losing inventory i mean at that point in time when you started seeing other people kind of take what you're doing already was it happiness or was it like anger what was that process like do you remember if it was it was you the the helm or your father how was that response yeah no so it, it was actually i wouldn't say at that point i wasn't at the, at the helm i wasn't the ceo i was kind of working more as a marketing manager type of role um i, I wore many different hats in the company to help it you know progress uh, and play my part but Look, I mean, naturally, when you see someone replicate or emulate what you're doing, there is that moment of, oh, oh man, this is a, this is a bit fear. I'm a bit fearful. I'm a bit worrying. But then, you know, as time goes on, you kind of get used to it. You, you almost take it as a compliment because we're constantly leading the way in what we do. And regardless of, you know, if you if you have a really, you know, high revenue month or, you know, mid range or lower range, uh, ultimately, you know, you're still at the precipice of, of, of the industry. So we're constantly leading the way. So when we see, you know, competitors come in behind us and do the same thing, we already know in the pipeline, we're 10 steps ahead of them. So that, that kind of puts us at ease. As long as we stay in our lane and keep our focus, we know we have the knowledge to keep on the right path and make sure we're, we're not only leading, but um, influencing the industry in the way it should be influenced rather than trying to manufacture cheap um, products that are just not effective or safe. What, how big, do you remember how big your, your company was, your team was uh, people-wise uh, during that time in that window? At the, at the very beginning. Uh, yeah. yeah. So there was actually only three people, believe it or not. Okay. Uh, very low six figure revenue. Um, and then over from 2009 to 2010, we made some really simple changes and we tripled revenue. Um, we changed our marketing strategy. We actually went direct mail marketing directly mm -hmm. to replacement studios. And that to me had the biggest impact in, you know, what kind of catapulted and uh, helped us achieve consistent growth year on year. Um, so that, there was three in 2009, and if you look at us uh, now, we have about, uh, I think we have 23 at the moment. So it's, you know, it, it's it's grown. Do you think there would have been, because when you have three people, it might, you could probably get everyone in the room, hey, we gotta, we gotta veer a little bit this direction, we gotta change the way we're doing it. With 23, it's, oh, hey, I gotta get everyone here, get everyone on the same page and kind of going forward. Do you think it would have been as smooth of a transition if you would have had the, the amount of people you have today back then transitioning to the, the new model? Absolutely not. In fact, I think we would have collapsed. Right. Uh, look, and, and the reason being is that, you know, look, you know, as, 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 as you're growing a company, um, you learn a lot. And, uh, you know, look, we, we were, even though the company had been around for since 1994, realistically, it only really tr truly was in its infancy. Uh, around 2009 when we started to actually grow. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I think if we would have had a team like that back then, the systems wouldn't have been in place, uh, the communication channels wouldn't have been in place, and the leadership wouldn't have been in place. One person can't run um, a whole company with, uh, you know, e even with a, a small amount of employees like we have, say, you know, 23 employees, um, it, it just, you need a leadership team in place to do that. And uh, if we would if we would have been in that position back then, it, it wouldn't have ended up well, I don't think. Now, when in that process did you start transitioning, I guess, to taking over the helm and, and kind of running the, the company? 
Uh, it was about three and a half years ago. So it, it was myself. So myself and my two brothers uh, and, and my dad who look, he works more, I suppose, in a consultant's uh, position at the moment. You know, yeah. if we, we have any high level stuff that we need to make decisions on. I mean, he's a board member. Um, we, uh, you know, we run it by him. But ultimately, it's myself and my two brothers, you know, who run this. So we really set a different structure in place, not only from a, a tax perspective, but, you know, from a company operations perspective that saw me uh, take over that position in uh, 2018. And, um, you know, my brother, uh, Daryl, he took vice president role and my brother David took COO. And we've been kind of building out the teams in different departments since then, uh, based around those, uh, those responsibilities. Do you recall when that kind of succession period was kind of happening of how your father divided the roles and allowed you guys not to fight with each other. Cause I mean, I, again, I've had people on here that are married couples and they work together and sometimes you can kind of see there's bickering unless there's a separation of power. I can only think for brothers, there would be kind of a same kind of way of doing it too. Yeah. So, you know what? We're no different than anyone else. There, there's times where we've had friction and there's times where we've had, uh, you know, challenges. But realistically, the one the one great thing that we all have is the, the, the ability to sit down across the table and respectfully communicate and openly communicate. Because so far to date, there hasn't been a single uh, issue that has cropped up that hasn't been solvable. Some take longer than others. But, you know, look, you know yourself, some things take time to filter and you need you need to think about what the best moves are for the company. And uh, and and look, it, it, there are times where it has been a, a challenge, but we, we've gotten through it. Getting through it. I mean, what's that process look like? What do, what do you guys do to kind of work through it? Well, typically it might be taking some time or to ourselves uh, just to think about, you know, our, our, our own responsibilities, our own actions, um, you know, how we want to how we want the company to proceed and what we want the future of this company to look like. And then realistically, we divide that up uh, into what part of that falls into each other's individual roles and responsibilities. And then we get together and, and we just uh, we just put it all on the table. Um, we prioritize. And uh, what we realized at the end of it is that, you know, some of the things that we were thinking might not have been so important are actually way more important. And we just reprioritize them and get them handled. So I, I would say that the succession part of the transition of the company versus, you know, really refining our own um, our own impact that we have on the company has has been it's been a long process. And even when we were put into our positions, I mean, look, we openly we openly took a look at ourselves and, and we put down on paper where we thought we could fit best and guide this company best. And uh, there was actually, there wasn't a single point in that communication process where there was any friction about who should take what role, because mm -hmm. we're fairly open enough to know where our strengths and where our weaknesses are. And, um, you know, in, in places where I have weaknesses, you know, my brother Daryl hops in there and my brother David would hop in, in there and vice versa. You know, it's, this is how we continue to, progress and move forward you know it's 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 a game of uh it's a game of support you know it's a, you can't you, you can't do it all on your own and most importantly i think you need to leave your egos outside you know it's like look we're hu we're human beings we all we all have egos but it's also you know it's also very powerful when you know you let that go and and, and realize that you know look you, you can't solve it all you can't do it all and sometimes the simplest bit of input from someone else will make the biggest impact on your problem. 
in these three and a half years uh, since you've been at the helm, has there been anything that you wish you would have knew working with your brothers in the capacity that you're in now back then when it, you guys originally kind of got your positions? Absolutely. For me, it was about it's OK to let go. You know, but I had this um, for many years. I had this uh, I wouldn't say micromanagement, but this fear of like no one's going to be able to do it as good as me and i just kept going and going and going but what i realized as we started to grow is that that is is absolutely not the truth and you know with the right people on the team with the right experience and the right mindset and just the, the commitment to the company um it very well uh, it plays out much different than, than you think in your head you know so that that was a personal development uh you know um uh, role for me, you know, it's like, I, I have mentors that I work with. Um, you know, I, I have very good, a good circle of, of close friends and even my partner, uh, who helps me, you know, decipher a lot of things sometimes when I'm not looking at it correctly. So, uh, your circle is, is, is just as important as any, uh, as any mentoring. How did you kind of come across the, the right, I guess, mentors or putting people in your circle? I mean, uh, this is something, I mean, especially because I have so many coaches and consultants and, and people that, that, that offer value to, to business owners. Yet there's a lot of false coaches, I guess, out there on social media and mentors. So finding yeah. the right one can, I think can be difficult for some people. So for yourself, how were you able to weed through to find the right fit for you? So growing up in, in the industry that I, in, that I, that I, that I was in and you know, look quite openly looking at the mistakes that, that were made throughout my life, you know, in, in business, you know, watching my mom and dad with their own, I, I realized very quickly, you know, that um, outside help is, is definitely uh, important, uh, especially when you've got individuals who you would connect with that have a lot more experience than you would, or they've achieved the exact things you're looking to achieve. So for me and, and my personality, I'm I'm, I always take one step back and I take a long look. It took, like I made the commitment to myself that I was gonna find someone that was going to help me and help the company um, move in the right direction because I, 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 knew very, uh, I knew very clearly where we were falling short. And I, I sat and I just looked at the space and I did a lot of research and, you know, there, there was, you know, one or two people who were standing out to me. We were looking for, you know, business operation mentoring. Um, and, and for me personally, it was about mindset mentoring because throughout my whole life, I suffered from huge uh, imposter syndrome. It's like, you know, I always spent time learning, 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 learning. And, you know, I would apply it and then things would work, but I never really put myself in, in, into a mindset of just like, look, you know, you're doing it, it's working. You're, you're trying some stuff and it's not working, but ultimately you're moving forward. So I never kind of gave myself the credit for that. And uh, so when it came down to it from the business operations perspective, um, uh, I've been working for the last say five years now, four years with uh, Alex Sharfin. Um, he's, uh, he's been, his, his himself and his team, have been incremental in in a lot of the uh, a lot of the, the the business processes that we put in place, and the you know because of that we've been able to um, we've been able to put the systems in place to let go a lot of, of a lot of stuff that we would have normally been very hands on, and, and I think that's been a huge help. So, do you think the the mentor I guess aspect of it has allowed you to kind of work through the imposter syndrome that you? were previously going through or what do you was it more internally externally i mean what was i guess giving you that that confidence to say i mean 
Yeah, it was a mix. It was a mix of both. You know, like so. There's there's a lot to be said for for being able to to sit around you know a table of um, individuals who um, who are who are moderate to to very successful business people and and to feel like you're you're not afraid to speak up you know and enabling you like I'm a firm believer like if, if you walk into a room right and 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 you're so intent on spilling all of your knowledge and everything and you don't give anyone else the you know the space to speak it's just you're gonna learn nothing right so I spent a lot of time you know going into these you know these masterminds or these rooms and just listening and, and picking up and you very quickly see that so I like for me it's really about it was a mix so it was a mix of of, of, of personal development and, and and learning you know and and for me looking at the the, the whole scenario of you know walking into a room with with people who have achieved a hell of a lot more than you have and being able to confidently sit there and and listen and and engage and participate confidently I, I think that that goes a long way to showing how far you, you know you come as an individual because you're not just trying to you're not just trying to you know speak at a turn or, or say things that don't have any truth to them you're just literally talking from experience and 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 that's kind of the moments where you realize it's like look i you know we have done a lot and we have experienced a lot and we have solved a lot of problems and there is a lot of information there that can be shared to, to help other people or businesses yeah i mean i i think like you said the i think the brain dumping right in those conversations probably comes from some sort of imposter syndrome that's why they're doing that they're trying to show their worth so and i i can totally appreciate that yeah, no, it is, you know, and you, you realize at the very beginning, well, maybe not everyone, but for myself, it, it was, you know, when I was you know, back in, say, the, the early 2010 to 2015, uh, you know, years, uh, for us, it, it was really about that. It was just like, you know, everything that I learned, I wanted to share. But what I realized is that I was spending so much time sharing it, I was, I wasn't actually listening enough. And, and how, how are you supposed to learn anything if you're not just willing to just take a step back and just shut up for a while <laughs> yeah well uh, we're, we're talking about kind of taking a step back and kind of learning we talked about this before we got on, on camera about um copycats and people kind of taking your brand i mean i know we briefly talked about other people using kind of a model but was that kind of the same thing that you're talking about about the the copycats and people kind of um using your stuff overseas or was that something different no no so this was probably, I, I think, one of the biggest learning curves from us. Look, uh, black market has, has always existed, uh, whether it's um, designer clothes um, or, or cosmetics, it, it's there and, and it, it'll never go away. Um, but for us, where it became a, a battle was, is we didn't have the right trademark protection in the right countries. And because of that, they, the, counterfeiters so it, it all it started in china basically what happened was and i, I remember it very clearly it, uh, it was about you know four years ago and i just remember the day that i saw a bottle of our product that looked like our product almost identical but it wasn't our product on you know aliexpress and i didn't think much of it other than like you know oh someone's trying to copy our product i still didn't even have a remote clue of the impact and the the challenges that were about to ensue on the back of this. So when we started seeing more and more pop up, um, we, you know, we were discussing it with our, with our um, 
with our IP attorney and they had advised us, look, you know, it might be worthwhile taking a look at some other countries to protect yourself in. Cause at that point we really, we only had it in uh, our protection in the United States where our main marketplace was and, uh, and, and the Canada at that point, I believe, or, or maybe, maybe, maybe it wasn't Canada, but we definitely had it in the United States. So we went to go trademark it and we realized that uh, somebody in China had intentionally went and trademarked it. And oh, wow. uh, yeah, so automatically, and it had been approved and everything. They had trademarked it a year previous. So you have, you know, people in these different countries who will look for that opportunity to trademark um, company brands that have not in areas that they haven't, uh, they haven't done yet. So what that will effectively enable them to do is not only manufacture the product in the country, but also use your exact labeling and everything and product name. Um, now legally, if they ship it into countries that have a trademark, that's illegal, but because they have the ability to manufacture it under, under the trademark in their country, they have so many, uh, back channels that, 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 that they can utilize and take advantage of. I mean, it got so bad for us at one point where, I mean, look, I'm estimating that, you know, that the, the current activity is costing us between anywhere between three and $500,000 a month in sales. That that's, that's how bad it is for us at the moment. Um, it was worse than that, uh, you know, a year ago. So what we were able to do with, with our own trademark was, um, we had investigators in China who approached the individual who had our trademark and he basically tried to blackmail us and say, listen, I'll sell it back to you for X amount. And we then, you know, leveraged that conversation because it was recorded with the, uh, with, with the Chinese uh, trademark, uh, body and, um, they were fortunately for us. They uh, they saw this and they were they revoked the individual's trademark rights in China. So it allowed right. us to move in and re-trademark the you know our brand and and, and obtain it. So, um, but in in that time in in that space of time where they had that trademark, they penetrated every single distribution channel we had, and uh, we even as recently as last week, you know, we do constant test buys across different geographical locations around the world. Uh, through our, you know, through our different networks. And, you know, look, we're still getting counterfeits popping up in retail stores. So what we've done on the back of that, when we realized, look, this is not a problem we're going to be able to solve. This is a problem we're going to have to try to manage. So what we did is we developed a custom uh, software, uh, an anti-counterfeit software, which enables us to uh, place non-replicable non codes on our packaging. And we have our own app that, our customers can now download and when they buy something in a retail store, they can scan that app. And if that code does not, uh, if that's not in our system, it will register as counterfeit and they can report it directly from the, uh, from the app and it'll come to us and we can start to investigate. So this, uh, this part of the process for us is, is starting to work and starting to make people realize is that, look, if this doesn't come in the package, if it doesn't have the key indicators that we show our packaging to have, then it's highly likely it's counterfeit and they should not be buying it. So your customers are doing this out of the goodness of the heart or are they uh, to like scanning it or checking it or is it more the distributors or? It's the safety. So it's really about the safety side of it, Vinny. So the, okay. it's not the customers doing it out of the good of their heart. The type of product that we manufacture is for use on skin. So the counterfeiters were putting very cheap products uh, that had chemicals oh. and they're burning people's skin. So naturally, the first port of call is, is like, okay, look, I need to do a patch test with this product before I make the full application. 
and uh, that will usually tell uh, very quickly what, what type of product they have. Oh, it makes sense. Did, did you, I mean, because people were possibly getting their skin burned on these counterfeits, did you ever have any lawsuits where people were trying to sue you, yet they were technically trying to sue the, the, the counterfeiter, but they didn't know? Uh, yeah, fortunately for us, that hasn't been the case. Um, in okay. a lot of cases where there has, there has been reactions, um, you know, look, we, uh, we know how to deal with them very effectively in terms of asking the right questions to make sure that we get a good, clear understanding of, of the product they have in their hand. And, you know, look, they're cosmetic products, you know, look, sometimes there, there is a slight reaction, you know, never, never really anything too serious. Um, but you know, with these counterfeits, it's a very serious reaction because they're yeah. chemicals. So, um, once we're able to ascertain if it's a counterfeit, we always, uh, we always go above and beyond to help the customer because look, it, it's an absolute, uh, it, it's just so unfortunate when something like that happens. Um, so what we do for them usually in, in cases like that is, you know, we get the, the information of where they bought it. And then we, we try, we try our best in a lot of cases, not to go down and chase everyone through a legal route. Cause there are some companies who actually don't realize they're, they're carrying counterfeits. You know, um, there's a lot of on-road sales reps that, that goes, especially to the United States. And, um, what we try to do is we, 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 we launched a counterfeit, uh, replacement program where, you know, we give the opportunity to a counterfeiter, somebody supplying counterfeits, uh, they have an option. They, they can either, we'll swap out, you know, the, 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 the counterfeits for legit products once, and they can continue to buy from us directly or one of our reputable distributors. Um, and, and, and that's really the option we give them because look, we don't, we don't want to chase down every, every single, you know, counterfeit case we have, um, because ultimately they all lead back to a bigger source. But what we what, what we really want to do is we want to educate and you know train and show that you know just because you're saving a few dollars on a counterfeit bottle, you're going to cost yourself a lot more in the long run because somebody will end up bringing a lawsuit against you for selling them. You know, I mean it's and it sounds like you guys are putting a lot of money into protecting your clients with all these things. Um, do you think? I mean, a the mom and pop company that you guys had originally would have had the finances or I mean to even do the steps you're doing now, or is there probably no way that a company like that would be able to do these kind of things? Yeah, no, I, I think on the, if you would have had, if you have the knowledge, um, right. I think there are ways that you can be very meticulous about the type of money you spend and how you protect your brand. Mm -hmm. Um, but when you get to the level of selling, you know, a million plus a month of, of, of adhesive products, um, I, it does require an investment, a consistent investment to protect it. Because even if you have all the trademarks in the world, you're still going to be chasing down uh, counterfeits. Um, we didn't have the knowledge, you know, five years ago when, when all this kicked off. And fortunately for us, we were in a, a phase of really heavy growth. So the, the, you know, the resources and, and, and the funds were there to protect the brand and set the foundations to move forward with it. But if you were a small mom and pop operation that uh, where we were um, and you had a product that was taken advantage of very quickly in the marketplace, there are things you can do. Um, mm -hmm. But I think realistically, if, if, if you were to ask me, you know, what would you know, what would be the key countries if you were a company in the United States or Europe? My thing would be, you know, get an EU trademark, get a, a U.S. trademark and get a Chinese trademark and then build from there. 
because ultimately, you know, any or most counterfeits, uh, you know, these days do come straight from China. So mm. at least you have the option of fighting it or combating it at source if you have that trademark in place at the beginning. Makes sense. I mean, let's say we're talking to five years from now. I mean, where do you see your business going, yourself going? I mean, even even maybe these copy uh, uh, these copy companies kind of going. I mean, where do you see that all going in the next, say, five years? Yeah, so for us over the next five years, we're transitioning at the moment. Um, we're transitioning from the manufacturing of adhesive, shampoo, scalp treatments for the hair and beauty industry, but we're moving deeper into the cosmetic space. Um, you know, we, we've we've acquired you know 17 acres in in Florida to expand our operations. We've uh, we're just on you know the the, the cusp of, of acquiring another large warehouse uh, production facility uh, here in, in Ireland, where where I'm located, uh, to to expand our, our our manufacturing operations. So we're we're trying to take the same principles that we use to create you know our adhesive products and the methodologies we've used to move it over and create you know cutting edge cosmetic products that are high quality, safe for people to use. And they kind of push the boundaries of, you know, innovation from, from, from a cosmetic perspective. So the next five years unquestionably are, are, are looking like that for us at the moment, you know, by the end of 2022, we're going to have 30 new products in our lines and they're going to basically be off the shelf products where we can, you know, we can um, provide them to any beauty or hair company that, that are, currently in operation or thinking about starting we have an off-the-shelf formulation that, that we can tailor to their uh to their needs and 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 this is where really the the, the this is the road we're, we're traveling down now because we we know we have the customer service we know we have the resources we know we have the commitment because look let's face it the reason this company was built in the first place was from an aspect of safety and this is what we hope to maintain and we will always aim to maintain uh, so that that's what the next five years looks for us in terms of counterfeits. We're just going to keep moving forward with our plans. As I said, we're not going to be able to fully stop it at any point, but we can manage it. And we do. I mean, we remove we remove 600 plus listings online, you know, every few days um, of, of counterfeits in different parts of the, you know, in different parts of the uh, of the world. And one of the fortunate things for us is that, you know, with, with the systems we have in place and the. Um, and the resources uh, we're trying to, to turn a negative into a positive here. So the negative side is all these countries in the world have counterfeit products into their distribution channels. But the moment we get a hold of those distribution channels, we can then take the work that those counterfeits have done in terms of brand recognition. We can repair the damage that's been done and we can build, you know, a following in those, in, in those countries and, and get, you know, solid distribution. So that that's really where our focus is on that side for the next five years. They're they're kind of uh, sloppily helping your expansion. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So you know what? It, it, it's it's a it's a you know it's a it's a long term gain for 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 a short term pain. You know, and and look, as long as we keep doing what we're doing, we're confident that you know we'll take back a lot of that market share. So is your headquarters based out of Ireland? Uh, so our principal manufacturing facility is based out of Ireland, but our headquarters uh, for, for, for distribution and fulfillment and production is in Florida. Oh, okay. 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 Um, what, what was, are you, are you from Ireland or from the U S from Florida? Where are you well, from? I was born in New Jersey myself. So okay. yeah, my mother's Irish. My dad was born in New York. So, uh, you know, look, it's, it, it, that that's kind of how that came to be. 
is it what brought you to have the manufacturer in Ireland compared to Florida? Is it are they more open? Is it just because of, uh, history there with your, your mother being from Ireland or what? It's a mix. A mix. Yeah. So uh, it's a mix of all things, really. Um, what we found is that, look, realistically, when it comes to manufacturing, the EU is probably one of the most stringent and strict, uh, you know, uh, places in the world to, you know, in terms of compliance. Uh, so we know anything that we manufacture, you know, in Europe, it's held to the highest of standards. Um, and then, you know, with Florida, we are going to be expanding the production and manufacturing there eventually. Um, but for right now, uh, you know, we, we, we have a really good system in place. And until we perfect and refine our systems here in, in Ireland, we, uh, there's no point in rolling them out yet. You know, it's like we have the team and resources here. We'll perfect it here and then we'll replicate. Makes sense. Well, I, I appreciate you, Ryan, for, for being here. Um, thank you for giving our knowledge. Any any last words, any last thoughts to maybe anyone listening right now? Maybe someone's listening and they want to hear more about your product, more about what you guys are going to do in the future. What's the best way of them reaching out to you? Yeah, well, look, I mean, you can connect with me on, on LinkedIn. Uh, our company website is prohairlabs.com. Um, but look, we're, we're, we're on pretty much every social channel. So, um, you know, if, if you're thinking even about, you know, starting a business in the hair or beauty industry, or you have one and you're looking for more products, um, you know, look, we're, we're, we're the point of contact to come to. So, uh, we, we, you know, we treat every, every custom formula, uh, project with, with the same, uh, with the same degree of, 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 of importance and compliance, uh, you know, across the board. I love it. Well, I appreciate you, Ryan. Thank you again for being here. Everyone listening, go to the show notes. The show notes uh, should have uh, all Ryan and his team's information in there to follow up on their social media platforms. Uh, I mean, just because he doesn't have hair on his head doesn't mean he doesn't have the knowledge of yeah. how hair should look. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And, and for everything else, we, we have a team around us that, that, that can help with everything. So, um, but no, Vinny, I really appreciate you, uh, you know, taking the time to have me on. It's been a pleasure. My pleasure is all mine. Thanks guys. Please subscribe, please share and go find Ryan. Bye everyone. Thank you for listening to the road to growth success of an entrepreneur. Please like subscribe and stay connected. Visit www.theenriquezgroup.com. Yeah, I created a website. Hope to see you again next week. The Enriquez Group signing off.